Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into What Makes Me Mad, a podcast where I discuss the things that make me mad, and I'm glad this is a What Makes Me Mad podcast, because the topic I'm going to be discussing today is, of course, Major League Baseball, and the man in charge of Major League Baseball, the one, the only, Rob Manfred, and so... Well, since this is a What Makes Me Mad podcast, I decided to enlist the help of one of my good friends, uh, the demo god, Peyton Witt, coming on the podcast. Glad to have you with me, Peyton, in person as well, too. I don't have to worry about cell phone reception or anything like that up in uh, Minnesota, so that's good to see. But Peyton, how we doing? Oh, we're doing all right, Cal. It feels weird to be uh, doing this podcast in person. At no point during this podcast am I going to pass a sign that says Bangor and Coon Valley, and I'm disappointed about that, but excited to be here. Definitely missing all those. I was the first, I was like, when you said Bangor and Coon, I'm like, hello? <laughs> but I was like, oh, that must be Minnesota in terms. So. Those are two Wisconsin cities. Oh, Wisconsin cities. Uh, like probably 20 minutes outside of La Crosse. All right. All right, not good enough to be in lacrosse, but still on the outskirts of lacrosse. So good, good for those cities. But yeah, so with this being a "What Makes Me Mad" podcast, I decided because I was originally supposed to have Casey was supposed to be uh, the guest this week, and uh, we we're going to do some discussing there. I won't reveal what we're going to do because I've got some topics that I think are going to be good for like me and him to like banter off of. But since Casey couldn't do it, I was like. Hmm, what else has made me mad? Oh, well, Rob Manfred always makes me mad. And I'm like, well, let me see what Peyton's got going on. And I could, enlist the help of the demo god, have him come on and have him rip on Rob Manfred as well, too, in person, which I feel like a lot easier to do than uh, me just holding up the cell phone to the speaker. So quality, a little bit better. Because that is one of the one things that, uh, as things kind of get back to normal, uh, that I've realized that I'm really going to enjoy is when podcasts start resuming uh, being in person, uh, as much as I love hearing a zoom connection and people's audio sometimes cut out, you know, not, not a big zoom podcasting fan. Uh, me and Peyton are both wrestling fans. And so I always like listening to the new day podcast. And I was very excited when they did a couple of episodes in person. So I was like, yay, good for them. And it was pleasant and enjoyable. And so we're getting there. Uh, but yeah, so, Rob Manfred, topic of discussion today. Peyton, you just got anything off the top of your head that Rob Manfred has done recently, or just in general, or just the rules that you're just like, you want to know what? This has made me so mad. I need to come onto a podcast to discuss why it makes me mad. So, the specific topic I've had in mind for today, and when you asked me to come on this podcast, what immediately sprang to mind was the flurry of no-hitters we've had recently. Uh, but specifically one no-hitter, which has not now, nor allegedly will ever be counted as a no-hitter, that Madison Bumgarner threw seven innings, no-hit ball, but it was the second game of a no uh, double-header, which these days are seven-inning games, and they decided back when they were going to do the seven-inning game double-headers that perfect games, no-hitters, stuff like that would not count because the lack of the two innings at the back end of them I just think that's dumb. The The fact that that's the game, it's not like he could have pitched more innings. It's not like he got took out in the seventh and then it would have been a combined no-hitter if it would have been finished out. He pitched all seven innings, the entire baseball game, did not give up a hit, and it somehow not counted as a no-hitter. That doesn't make a lick of sense to me. And, don't, and it don't make a lick of sense to me either. I mean, they're the ones that decide the rule. 
and then it doesn't work out for them. Like that, and also too, I don't understand as well why they're still doing seven inning double headers to begin with. Like I could understand like last year with like COVID, sure I get that, but we have had double headers since the dawn of time. I understand it personally, just because there are a lot of players out there that say they really like the double headers. I think that's a player. Um, Backed initiative more so than it is an MLB backed initiative. Yeah, because uh, I guess it would it, the four less innings you get out of those two games would be less TV time, less marketing time you can sell. Um, but I I personally enjoy the seven inning double headers. Um, I think it makes it, it's a different tone of pace, and it definitely makes it interesting uh, strategy wise because someone like uh, Adam Wainwright on the Cardinals. He's a guy that can go seven innings easy. That that's what he expects to do every time he goes out. So you can get him pitch a, a complete game in that. And then if your starting pitcher in game two or game one struggles, that bullpen isn't necessarily as damaged as it would be because we have Wainwright. Even if he gives up three, four runs, he can still go seven innings. Yeah, uh, and eat up those innings, which I'm really happy about. Something else that makes me mad to uh, to jump sh- uh, ships here a little bit. Uh, Albert Pujols, a uh, man who I model, model my batting stance when uh, people make the unfortunate mistake of asking me to play baseball. <laughs> uh, he was released, or I guess designated for assignment, but that's baseball talk for released, uh, by the Angels after batting, I think, 193 to open the season. Um, he's under, I think he's batting 297 for his career, which is... I think earlier this year or very late last year was the first time he ever in his entire career went under that 300 line for his career totals, which is sad. He's only, I think, 33 home runs away from 700. There's been a lot of talk of him possibly coming back to the Cardinals to be a bench bat. The issue is he doesn't want to be a bench bat. He wants to play every day. Yeah, he's not starting in front of Goldschmidt, I can no. tell you that much. Uh, the the issue is he also can't play every day, whether it be injuries or the fact that he's 41 and can't move as well or really at all. Designated uh, hitter would be a good spot for right. him. Right. There's also the talk of him going to the White Sox which I think would be cool, reunite with Tony La Russa. Um, Tony La Russa, I think, has lost his mind. Um, there is a, he never really had a mind to begin with. That's right. He used to the, amount of, the amount of drunk drivings he's had. Hey, you, you see this ring, you know who I am? You're still pissed drunk, dude. But, uh, oh, my God, you're Tony La Russa. Well, sorry for stopping you, sir. Go, go. There's, um, speaking of baseball players who have gotten popped for DUI, um, I was watching World's Dumbest one time, and uh, they had uh, Java Chamberlain, uh, who got popped for... one of my favorite players, because I grew up on Chamberlain Street growing up. Yeah. So I had him, I think it was uh, 2K6, the video game that had Derek Jeter on it. Oh, okay. Oh, him and Phil Hughes. So good. But J- uh, Jabba got uh, popped for a DUI, and so like they're waiting for like backup or something to like roll up, and the guy's just talking with him and he knows he's Jabba and he's yeah. like oh so what's it like pitching in Yankee Stadium and just <laughs> asking him all these questions to Jabba's you know just being like all friendly like oh yeah you know pitching in Yankee Stadium is great blah 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 and uh yeah he ended up getting arrested mugshot and everything um probably the second worst thing to happen to Jabba though uh because he did remember in the game playoff game against Cleveland where uh like all the mosquitoes were like 
oh, attacking. Him, wasn't it? Yeah, and just he's got like all these mosquitoes just climbing on his neck. I'm like I would not be able to do that. I would need like a shit ton of off and be like someone come out here and get all these mosquitoes away from me. I mean, I'd be grabbing the rosin bag, just smacking <laughs> myself in the back of the neck with it. So I guess my question for you, Peyton, is would you rather get arrested for a DUI or have to have a bunch of mis- have to pitch a game but have a bunch of mosquitoes climb all over you? Well, I guess pitching a game with the mosquitoes is less life altering unless one of them has malaria or something. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with that option. You never want to get a Dewey. No. I shouldn't say that. You never want to drive drunk in the first place. Yeah. The, the Dewey is just the consequences for that. Poor yeah. Um, Which is deserved. Right. It's this day and age, and this kind of goes into a pre-show conversation we were having, talking about uh, Brian Pillman and how he flipped his car, and that led to a lot of the prescription drug abuses he had because all the pain he was in. Yeah. And then, uh, tragically, his life ended because of it. But... Uh, I'll, I'll take the mosquitoes, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'll just be Java Chamberlain's one of the greatest. That should be a wrestling name. Java. Let's get someone that looks like... Uh, oh. Java the Jobber. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> I think it's the... Maybe the Haystack Twins. There are these two dudes that look identical, but they're like 500 pounds, and they just... They were wrestlers. They were pro wrestlers back in like the 30s or 40s. It's all these like black and white photographs of them. I feel like one of them should have been named Java Chamberlain. I feel like it was really easy to be a wrestler, like, back in the 30s or 40s, because all you had to do to be a heel was just uh, be decent looking, and then you could just put gorgeous in front of your name, and then they're like, everyone's like, oh, God, I hate that guy. He's handsome. Yeah, they just, dude walks out, and he's like, I could fuck your girlfriend, and you in the crowd goes, he could fuck my girlfriend, and then that's heat. Yeah, and I'm like, I hate that guy. <laughs> now it's like you've got to... Uh, be uh, all these different characters and you gotta do all this stuff well and then it's like when you do it well people like you so shout out to MJF for being like the one heel that people actually are like fuck MJF and it's not like it's like you hate him because he's like good and everything it's not like a King Corbin heat where it's like god get this guy off my screen get (laughs) like MJF oh I'm fine with him winning the world championship Baron Corbin's about to win the championship no what are we doing Vince it's like my girlfriend is not big into wrestling, but she'll watch it with me if it's on. She has that kind of heat for uh, Ruby Riot. Oh, okay. Can't stand her. I don't know what it is, but she just she. That's the one person that's like, I have to go do something else. Tell me when this one's over. God, the one thing that just always would piss me off about the Riot Squad is so they debut uh, after um, shit. What was uh was it Absolution? Was what Paige's uh, squad was with uh. Uh, Sonia yeah, and uh, yeah. Mandy. Okay, right before uh, she like got injured for the last time. Yeah, so um, they had them debut, and then they decided to do the exact same thing on SmackDown mm-hmm. with uh, Ruby Riot, you know, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, Riot Squad. Mm-hmm. Good name, I like it. And so, like, you know, they do the backstage segments where they're beating the shit out of everyone or whatnot. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm interested in them. Mm-hmm. And their whole screen name, whenever they come on, is if we if we don't win, we riot. <laughs> but then they would always lose, and then nothing would happen afterwards. I'm like, meander around the ringside. It's like that's not a riot. I'm like, come on, go back and 
break stuff or something, like, invest in the storyline a little bit, but just, like, I, I'm tired of these empty threats, you guys. Come it's on. like, uh, when they were doing oh, Retribution, when they were first doing that before they, like, knew who they were going to do for it, they were just doing those, like, the security cam footage. Yeah. There was one where they just ran up to this building. It's like a window pane there. One of them tossed a brick through, and then they looked like Tuscan Raiders, and they just started like dancing and throwing their hands up in the air, like celebrating. It's like you committed minor vandalism, and you're now throwing a dance party. What is happening? I want to make a protest joke, but I'm I'm not going to. I mean, that's the problem. Apparently, allegedly, backstage, that was the response to that. Vince saw the Antifa stuff and all the protests over last summer. He's like, I want to make that an angle. That's like him with, like, everything. Where it's like, uh, Muhammad uh, Hassan, I was just thinking of a couple weeks ago, where they have a guy... um, of uh, Middle Eastern descent, and they're like, you are going to be portrayed basically as a terrorist. Yeah, of Middle Eastern descent from Canada, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, I also like how Jinder Mahal from Canada, and they're like, you are Indian, and we want to get into the Indian market really bad. You are going to win the world championship. What do you mean he's not drawing in India? Get this belt off this guy. We're going to give you, we're going to give you a push. Absolutely just no, his push was he wrestled like five minutes longer than what he normally did against Sami Zayn, and then he won a match. He won a, a battle royal. It was a six-pack challenge. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like, I remember it was like, yeah, Jinder Mahal might be in line for a push. Are you serious? And then all of a sudden he won the six-pack challenge, and everyone's like, uh, okay, sure, we're fine with pushing new guys. And then, boom, instant title win, and then it's just absolutely sucked. Yeah, it didn't help that... The feud he had, because he won it from Randy, Randy Orton. Yeah. That feud was terrible. Randy Orton clearly didn't care. Jinder Mahal was trying, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have the, like, AJ Styles thing where yeah. he can just carry somebody that isn't trying to a, a great match or a great feud. And then they brought back great Kali, who, like... They had him show up for one... Meandered, didn't <laughs> even do anything, just, like, slowly walked down during a Punjabi prison match, which... The only reason they had that match was because he's Indian. There's yep. no they also had him back for literally one uh, episode, and that yeah, was it. He they, just, he, he just he showed up, walked down, interfered, way to the ring, interfered in the match, didn't do anything else, and then that was it. That was uh, the Great Kali, and then JBL, I literally had commentary. He's like, the Great Kali has just showed up, and then they didn't address it after that. And then also, too, he got involved in that feud with Shinsuke, and then they did the really racist stuff in the ring with uh, comparing Shinsuke to Mr. Miyagi or whatnot. That's that's one of those situations where... And they're like, yeah. Especially these days, now that I'm like becoming an adult, like mid-20s adults, like, that'll turn that kind of stuff off. Like that segment, I turned off when when they get just like the the Bailey, this is your life segment. Yeah, Alexa Bliss. I had to, had to turn that. It's raw these days. I generally don't make it through. Well, I always think back to um, back in like middle school. One of my favorite segments was John Cena and Jerry Lawler absolutely roasting Vicky Guerrero, yeah. and like so that like middle school me like, oh my god, that's so funny. Like, you know, they're making all these fat jokes, and now I'm like. Especially now, too, where it's like you watch these documentaries with Vicky Guerrero, who lost her husband, and then also lost a close friend as well, too, uh, and, like, friends with the whole Benoit murder-suicide 
thing. And so she's still sticking it out with this company. And what do they do? They treat her like absolute garbage. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to book you as an authority figure. And then we're going to make all these jokes that, oh, you're older and you're and you're fat. And, like, she was literally normal size. She's like a, a 40 40 something year old woman it's like she looks fine for her age and like you literally having these guys come out and like making these jokes at her and everything I'm like if you want to book her as a heel fine because she was a great right. he- heel magnet i mean oh, you know that excuse me that, yeah that was like perfect but then they would like make all these like low jabs at her and it's like really it's like the mickey james thing when she yeah. was leaving the company and they did the whole piggy james yeah bullshit and she didn't look overweight or fat at all yeah like, she was literally like even if looked amazing and like normal size for like some of those women but it's yeah. just because she wasn't a twig with massive boobs which yeah is all that vince mcmahon cared about in his women's wrestler stuff see i took a class back at whitewater called uh gender study or it was like communication genders or something like that and so i did um and i really wish i would have done a thing on like women's wrestling Mm -hmm. just because like how much stuff i could talk about with like you know the women's like revolution and like how things are like today and like gender and everything like that would have been really interesting because i 100 percent would have brought up like vicky guerrero like a a whole dissertation just on fabulous moolah yeah and all that stuff yeah that that could easily be a whole thing yeah and like just some of the like stuff they did and then like vince sleeping with like talent and everything like that and like all the Trish business. Yeah. Just, God, what a shitty-ass company. Shout out to the other wrestling promotions that do not do that kind of stuff. To, like, all the stuff that WWE does. Like, I watch every time I watch Dark Side of the Ring, I'm like, God, WWE is such a piece of shit company like the, sometimes. The Snooka stuff where Vince literally helped the dude get away with murdering his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> or the... Or even when I was just uh, watching the Chris Benoit stuff, where it's like, so Chris Benoit, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, a lot of stuff happened in his life, like last like year or like the last year of his life, losing close friend, uh, using a bunch of testosterone, um, would always do a move off top rope with that was a flying headbutt. Uh, brain later diagnosed that he had like uh, the brain of an 84 year old Alzheimer's patient. Massive CTE. Yep, massive, just not good, right? And so uh, he ended up uh, doing a murder suicide of his wife, his son, and then ended up committing suicide himself. But he had a son from a previous marriage. Uh, Daniel uh, was the guy's name. And so when you know, WWE first finds out that, oh, Chris Benoit has died, they do a tribute show for him, and they didn't have all the facts and information, because then it came out that it was, oh, a murder-suicide, and so, like, the next night or whatnot, they are like, yeah, now that we know the facts, we're not going to mention Chris Benoit on the... And, like, I totally, like, understand that, obviously, because you don't want to, like, glorify, like, what he did or anything like that, but the fact that just... He still has this son, and the only people that reached out to him after was Chavo and Chris Jericho were, like, the two that, like, kept in close contact with Daniel. And it's like, you know, that's pretty shitty on their part as well, too. It's like, you can't, obviously, unfortunately, I mean, I guess it probably could have helped maybe given Chris some actual time off to 
grieve about the death of Eddie Guerrero? Because I also heard, too, that it's like they had Eddie Guerrero's funeral and Chris Benoit was really shaken up about it. And then, like, the next couple days, all of a sudden, then they had to take a flight to Europe for a tour. And it's like, I feel like the smart move would be like, you all know what we're going to do, like, the tribute show for Eddie and then just give the talent a week off for the week. And then they'll come back to Raw. And if you still really need some time off, you know, like, we'll work around it and all that. But, yeah, it's just a real shitty company. It's a company that's never put their wrestlers first. No. We were supposed to talk about baseball, but we have completely I mean, sidetracked. That's, I mean, that's baseball, Cal. Yeah. You know, you, you think you hit a home run, but instead it's a ground rule double, and you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. Let's see what we can go out with it. Pitch uh, 27 straight batters, got him out. Somehow not a perfect game because your catcher missed a ball. Yep, yep. Or uh, pitch, uh, pitch a perfect game up. Not a, not technically a no-hitter because, you know, we made the rules. It's only seven innings. So another thing, though, that you wanted to bring up, though, getting back to Major League Baseball mm-hmm. for a sec is uh, Nick Castellanos getting suspended, and the reason why, and so I will give the floor to you on that. So I was watching this game when it happened. There was a Castellanos up to the plate, and we had a relief pitcher in. It was pretty early in the season, and Castellanos got plunked. It clearly wasn't on purpose. Uh, The ball just got away from him. And he eventually comes around to score in that inning, and how he scores is on a pass ball. He's coming in from third, pitcher running in to cover, and as he comes to cover, Castellanos slides in front of him when Castellanos is called safe. He stands up and kind of flexes over the pitcher, who is still on the ground covering the base, and Yadi then, Yadier Molina then comes up and uh, confronts him, kind of shoves him a little bit. Yadier Molina, keeper of the game, I love it. (laughs) Starts kind of jawing with him, uh, defending his pitcher, which I'm okay with. It's just baseball. It's just two teams going at it, and sometimes they're going to feud with each other. It's sports. It's like when... uh, That's uh, baseball, baby. uh, A quarterback gets knocked down. A lot of times you see an O-lineman go up and just start a fight with the guy that did it just to protect his guy. Yeah. so that, that happens, and then there was a benches-clearing brawl. I always love when the uh, the bullpen comes out, too, because you just see two streams of guys, like, lightly jogging out to, to a fight. It's pretty funny. They, I um, saw something on Twitter where uh, there was these ducks getting let out of a shed in the middle of winter or something, and they all go, like, running out, and they're like, quack, 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 and then they all just stop and look around for a second, and then they all start quacking again, but then head back into the shed, and they're like... Uh, the dugout during a bench is clearing, bro. They just come out for a second. I'm like, oh, all right. But, yeah. So, anyway, bench is clear. Bench uh, is clear. And the craziest thing is almost immediately one of the bench coaches gets Castellanos and, like, gets him away from the fight. He wasn't involved in the pushing and shoving after the fact. There was a lot of random people in there and even Yachty in there and, like, still jawing. But... And also the Cardinals and Reds have yeah, had beef before, so I understand. Been, uh, there's been some, I think it's at least once a year we have a fight uh, during a Reds and Cardinals game. But Obviously this was not as bad as Johnny Cueto being held up against right. like uh, um, a uh, screen and decides, hmm, well the only way out of this is to start using my metal spikes to start hitting people in the back of the head with it. Yeah. And all that was started because Brandon Phillips touched Yadier Molina's shin cards. <laughs> and Yadier didn't like that. Yeah, he's he, he gets he's a prideful person. Yeah, I, I feel like that has helped him a lot in his 
baseball career, but it also leads to incidents like this. But anyway, so benches come out, a lot of people. Benches come out, there's a lot of milling around. It's not a real fight, it's a baseball fight. A lot of jaw, a lot of hold me back. I was listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Only. I would rec- highly recommend it. Watch, uh, listen to it every morning on my way to work. And they called it the most polite fight they've ever seen in baseball, in which I agreed. Because there was not a punch thrown. There was a light shove at the beginning, and that's really it. And then MLB comes out the next day or the day after. I think Javier Baez actually tickled someone in a fight uh, one time. So that might be the most polite (laughs) fight I've ever seen. But uh, MLB comes out and hands... And I think Castellanos was ejected from that game for showing off or whatever. Similar to how if you used to... He spiked it in the end zone after scoring a touchdown or celebrated in some way. You get a 15-yard penalty. Similar to that, except they just tossed him out of the game. Um, and uh, and then they, MLB comes out a day or two later. Two-game suspension just for Castellanos, who did practically nothing in the fight. I was expecting Castellanos to get a game for showboating and, and I guess, starting the fight, and then Yachty to get a game for instigating the fight. They both appeal it. Probably holds up for both of them. They serve their game. So then he appeals a two-game suspension. When he got two games for that, everyone's everyone, at least that I was listening to, was like, yeah, they'll just reduce it down to one. That's basically what they do. That's why they give the two so they can reduce it down to one. Yeah. They didn't. They upheld it at two. He served two games. It just it didn't and make any sense. What was their reasoning? I heard get what their reasoning was just uh, or, oh. it, it's I think it was something to do instigating uh, an event like that during the pandemic where the benches came together and a potential started. mass spreader event between yeah. two teams that have basically already had a bunch of their guys vaccinated probably at that yeah point. the Cardinals had almost everyone on the active roster last year got COVID so they sat out for like two weeks and then they're past the 80% vaccination threshold now so they're yeah. like basically double covered from it but something else so i think i'm pretty much done talking about that if you had anything else you want to well add. it's just funny so mlb is like all oh we were worried about a potential covid mass spreader event but meanwhile these the base mlb decides to hold the world series in texas bring in some fans then they're doing this whole bubble situation like the nba but of course rob manfred can't do anything right and so obviously the bubble format doesn't work because justin turner during a game seven of the world or game six of the world series his test comes back as uh inconclusive and so instead of being like okay let's just quarantine turner for a bit and let's see what kind of test they have no they jog him out on the field and then like they pull him in like the sixth inning or something like that and so instead of like pulling him and like being like hey this is what's going on turner uh who ended up testing positive for covid i might would like to point out as well too how he got that in the mlb bubble god i don't know how um poopering fans into the ballpark why did covid get in here um but so uh they they they're all so they put them out in the dugout dodgers win the world series right sure enough who's out there celebrating with uh the dodgers spreading covid around <laughs> justin turner Whose coach also a survivor of cancer? Would you not think that he's maybe high risk or something like that? Nah, Justin Turner. Well, I gotta go out and celebrate with my guys. It's like you fucking might have COVID, and then he did. Luckily, no one else on the Dodgers, I think, tested uh, positive. But that's good. But so it's like I'm, I will be right. That that's not a big deal. Justin Turner, 
well, you know, could have just potentially infected his entire team with COVID because he decided to go out and celebrate. But then yet again, that's Major League Baseball uh, failing to protect the players during a pandemic, uh, especially during a bubble. But then they're like, well, we're worried about this possible bench-clearing brawl. And then the Reds, a couple weeks later, they're facing the Cubs. Amir Garrett, who has an earned run average uh, about the size of uh, that tree out there, pretty pretty damn high. That's a uh, large tree for those Yes, that uh, can't see. earned run average. Uh, never good when you have an earned run average uh, above a, uh, Abraham Lincoln bill, I would say. Uh, earned run average over five. Especially uh, as a reliever. Yeah, uh, but he, Amir Garrett's like, no, nah, I'll have a earned run average over a Alexander Hamilton. Wait, Hamilton's on the 10, right? Yeah, Hamilton's yeah. on the 10, Jackson's on the 20, and then Franklin is on the 100. Okay. Uh, so, Amir Garrett's got an earned... Anyway, I'm just basically trying to make the joke that Amir Garrett has a very high earned run average. He's not been good the past couple No, and so he talks a lot of mad shit for a guy that does not do very good. And uh, he struck out Anthony Rizzo. Speaking of guys that talk a lot of shit for and don't do very well, Javi Baez, continue. That man hits a lot of home runs. Shut your mouth. Not this year he don't. You're about to get tossed out that window. You, I bring you into my home and you insult Javier Baez like that, sir. I say, how dare you? I'm just speaking facts. Just because he's bad doesn't mean that I can't say he's bad. Oh, you're... God, I should bring up something on Albert Pujols. You don't know what? I hope Albert Pujols and Tony La Russa get together and they decide, hey, you want to go out to the bar one night? No. But, but, um, they need to get an Uber. <laughs> nah, I can drive. I can drive. Tony, you're hammered. Nah, I, I, I'll put my World Series ring on my other finger. It'll bail it's me up. I shine the ring out the window, the cops won't pull us over. I've done this for years, trust me. But, um... Also, um, anyway, getting back to, anyway, uh, Garrett strikes out Anthony Rizzo, super pumped up, and he's yelling and everything like that, and kind of showing up Rizzo, Rizzo walks back to the bench, anywhere Baez, speaking of Javier Baez, starts yelling from the bench, anyway, benches come out, Baez, uh, one of my greatest photos I'll ever see is him getting pulled away by Cassianos, shooting the bird at Amir Garrett, love it, anytime someone can shoot the bird, whether it's Stone Cold, Steve Austin, or just whoever, uh, I always enjoy the, a good bird flying, but uh, Baez, uh, bench is clear, no punches thrown or anything like that. Baseball's like, you want to know what, Amir Garrett? Seven game suspension for you, and it's like, that's even worse than Castellanos, and Castellanos had at least shoving in it, like Garrett was just him yelling like an idiot, yeah. and like, shouldn't Baez get something, but I, I don't know what Garrett, I, Garrett obviously appealed, because it's like, insane it's like ah littering huh five years in the penitentiary for you it's like what like not in the right but like not that wrong like it's like i agree don't throw garbage on the ground but that's absurd but so uh i think garrett went and got um appealed it or something like that but it's just like who is handing out these suspensions? Is there is there like a wheel that they're just like, all right, let's spin it. <laughs> That's how it should be, to be honest. GTA Five Daily Wheel. It's like, come on, give me the car, give me the car. They all got closed. Seven games for Garrett. All right. Well, it's like they've you know pitchers can throw at a guy's head and not get it get suspended for that month, for that game. Like, oh, it's just enough to miss a start. But it's like Garrett yells and in like showboats and he didn't gets seven, seven games yeah he didn't even hit anyone nobody's 
safety or life was threatened in, during the course of this fight. Other than, I guess, Garrett's pride being flipped off by a man. <laughs> or the fact that his earned run average is above 10. <laughs> and he just sucks. Um, but, yeah, it just... I don't get some of these suspensions. Then um, I feel like there's going to be something else that I was going to bitch about. So there's major league. Something that did remind me of that is uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but the Cardinals relievers have had a bit of a uh, issue not hitting people in the face with baseballs over the past couple weeks. Oh, that's not uh, good. We had a reliever, Hennessy Cabrera. We were facing the Phillies, and first pitch out of the pen, he hits Bryce Harper in the nose. Like, Harper tried to go back, and it just hit him just flush on the nose. Ooh. had to come out of the game. And uh, Cabrera's just feeling terrible about it. You can see on the mound, he, like, crouched down. He's, like, looking at the dirt and then looking over at Harper, hoping he's all right. Didi Gregorius comes up. Second pitch. Drills him right in the side. Like, 90-mile-an-hour heater right in the side. And Joe Girardi, Philly's manager, comes out just pissed. And then, of course... Thumbs come out, have to warn both sides because that's how baseball is. You can't just warn them. And clearly he's not trying to, you don't come out of the pen to hit two guys. Yeah. You know? He's not no outs man on first and second. Nobody wants that. Girardi's calling for Shield to pull him out of the game because of the stupid new rule that MLB has oh, implemented. Yeah. All right, let me rephrase. These are rules that they created during COVID and then afterwards have still decided to yeah. keep. Uh, the three batter minimum. Three Basically, batter when minimum. when a pitcher comes out of the pen, they got to face a minimum of three batters. So that or or get an inning turnover. So if it's yeah. one okay. inning turnover, they you can get a new guy coming out of the fresh inning. But uh, he couldn't. Shield couldn't pull. Uh, the Cardinals manager could not pull uh, Cabrera if he wanted to, which he really did. He said in the post game press conference, "I wanted to pull him after the Harper pitch, but he couldn't." Um, and then he faced another guy. Walked him on four pitches, and it was like as he was throwing the fourth pitch, he had so little control. The Cardinals manager was out walking before the the fourth pitch had been caught by Molina because he knew it wasn't going to be anywhere near the strike zone. He just needed to get him out of there for everybody's safety. And then, like a week later, there's another game where, I forget, I think it's Seth Elledge was the Cardinals reliever. He comes in, and I forget who the batter was, but just drills him right here, helmet comes popping off and everything, and he drops. And it's like, people people kind of understand that it's not intentional, you know, but you're, yeah. putting, you're putting your players then in a position, your batters, where they could get plunked, or even yourself or another pitcher that comes up and has to bat because the NL is still doing pitchers batting, which I think this will probably be the last year for that. Probably. It's... It's just one of those things where it's like, you're in the major leagues. I get it, accidents happen, yeah. but at a, a club level, to have this many people getting drilled in the head with fastballs, you just can't have it, intentional or not. You just can't have it. Yeah, I just I just hate the three-batter minimum. Yeah. It's so dumb. It's Baseball is a game of chess, basically, and it's like the whole, like, I don't understand, like, oh, it speeds it up by like a couple of seconds baseball game's gonna be about three hours three and a half hours right. long like I, I who think, cares i think they uh did some measurement i was listening to and it only i think it only sped the game up all the new rules meant to like make it quicker and a more enjoyable product it sped it up by like three minutes on average yeah and like all the people that bitch about 
Major League Baseball needs to like speed up the game or whatnot are not are not going to watch the game anyway. Right. Like I always will like watch like ESPN and they'll have a bunch of people like talking like oh they've got to do this and it's like you're not going to really watch the game anyway. Just let the purists enjoy the game. They want to tinker with it, sure, totally understand that. But like just the whole oh we're going to take a couple seconds off too, and especially with like ticket prices being so expensive. If I go to a game. I want to be at that game for a while. Yeah. I want to get my money's worth. Um, oh, I just remember what it's going to be. And especially, too, with, like, extra innings. Uh, I just hate I hate, that I hate the rule. on Everyone just does not enjoy it. And they still are like, yeah, we're just going to keep doing it. It's, it's like, like the, the Dodgers-Padres game on Sunday Night Baseball. I think it was Sunday Night Baseball the uh, a couple weeks ago where the Padres were down, like, 7-1 in the late innings. They came all the way back got its extra innings, and then the Dodgers started with a man on second, and that very well could have just ended the rally right there. Yeah. And then, of course, the Padres got a man on second, too, and they eventually won. I just... Let the, let two, let the two teams fight it out. Don't... <laughs> like, that, especially, like, with how great of a game and how great of a series that was, it's like, why put something on second? Just I could see it, like... My thing is, like, maybe after the 12th inning, if they want to do that, sure. Like, let them bat yeah. through the order one more time. And, like, sure, we don't need, like, these super long games or something like that. Um, but, like, it's free baseball at that point. Everyone's always like, oh, overtime's great. It's free. You know, we weren't expecting this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why try making the game go that much quicker? And especially, too, it's like all it takes is a single run scores, and then all the home team has to do, hit a single run scores. And, like, it's tied up again, and we're back at square one. It's like, uh, it reminds me. Like, if they want to do that for, like, Little League, sure, I totally understand that, where the game's under a time constraint and you have, like, yeah. another game up. But it's like, baseball is a game played without a clock. Like, you're going to have some games go long, you're going to have some games go short. It's what it is. It uh, reminds me of a shot I was taking at La Russa earlier. Um, he, uh, he was in that situation. I did not know that rule either, by the way, and, too. And in, uh, in the extra innings, the man on second is the man who made the last out uh, in the previous inning when you were at bat, and it was the pitcher spot. So his relief pitcher, $50 million relief pitcher, Liam Hendricks, went out to second because he did not know the rule that if it is your pitcher spot, you can opt to have the person before the pitcher spot go out there in an event not to get the pitcher hurt. And it was weird. I was listening to the press conference afterwards when a member of the media had to tell him that rule, and he just goes, oh, well, I guess I know it now. <laughs> that would have hundred percent would have been me. That's like me half the time at Culver's being like, "Oh, that's a thing we're doing now." <laughs> like, "Oh, all right, well, good to know." I'll definitely have to get around to doing it the next time. That's always my favorite. It's like, "Oh, well, I can't wait to prove myself while I can do it right the next time," and then I forget about it like three more times because I'm set in my ways and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I'm supposed it's, to do that." It's just crazy to me that a baseball manager one. There's 30 people that hold that job in professional sports as a manager of Major League Baseball team. And for him to not be cognizant of that rule, I know that's a a relatively new rule from last year, but it's not like he hasn't been in the game. He's been working in the front office for the Diamondbacks for this whole time. He should be, as the leader of that team, more involved. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. And... uh, actually aware of what's going on because if let's say there's a play at third Liam Hendricks gets hurt 
that's your best reliever that the team just spent $50 million on that... And especially when this is the White Sox that have already had Eloy Jimenez get hurt in a meaningless spring training game, and then uh, Luis Robert Robert got hurt. And, yeah, I just, I mean, that was just kind of a bonehead decision of just hiring him. I was like, they're really going to go with LaRusso? It's a Reisendorf move. Yeah. But it's, uh, I was like, all right, this is, the fit might not be good, but maybe, I mean, shit, he is a Hall of Fame manager. It's- Team's talented enough that despite Tony LaRusso, whether or not he has anything left to bring to the table, they should go to the playoffs. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of, like, uh, be like, um, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I'm probably going to go with, like, basketball, I think, but who's a Hall of Fame head coach, um, you want to be like bringing Hubie Brown. I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame, uh, but bringing Hubie Brown off from uh, basketball commentating to uh, coach the Golden State Warriors. Fit? I don't know about it. It's like Nick Saban going to the Dolphins. Yeah. He's not an NFL coach. Or Urban Meyer going to the Jaguars. And then hiring his cronies. Yeah. I, I just I want to say for the record, in just case anybody cares, I... Do not like Urban Meyer or I, anything he stands for. I, he is kind of a piece of garbage. I didn't mind listening to him on uh, the Big Noon Kickoff. I was like, ah, oh, he's a decent guy to listen to. But then he also ripped on Pat McAfee one time. I'm like, well, if anyone rips on Pat McAfee, <laughs> you, sir, are officially now an enemy of me. He was like, it, it was just funny because McAfee had jumped in a lake uh, for game day one time. They're down in uh, Waco and they had a river or something like that McAfee jumped in and they so they're talking to urban meyer about the big noon kickoff and i like watching the big noon kickoff because i really enjoy listening to joel clatt one of the best college football minds and then also to a bunch of guys that i grew up watching brady quinn charles woodson reggie bush right mm-hmm. and uh urban meyer was like yeah i really like talking you know with those guys it's like you know really serious football knowledge and you know we don't have guys like jumping into lakes or anything like that and so that was a direct shot at McAfee, and even McAfee's mom had like screenshotted him the article and was like you see this and so uh mcafee put out something on twitter like oh hey coach hope you don't have a heart attack or something like that (laughs) or like hope you spend more time with your family and then leave for another job or something like that and so yeah guys got a head coach or guys got a coach that's what committing domestic violence at his house and just like oh all right i'll just turn a blind eye to it I have a joke, but I'm going to make it off a podcast uh, that involves another coach turning a blind eye uh, to stuff. Ah, shit, I should just make it on the podcast now. I was going to go as uh, Joe Paterno uh, uh, one year for Halloween as uh, Joe Paterno, and then whenever someone would just tell me information, I would just look the other way on it. Oh, some, something's in danger? Uh, uh, gosh, my football team's doing good this year. I'll focus on that. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm surprised these football players can do so well, considering all the things that have happened to them behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. They still want to play for me after all this? That's crazy. Yeah. God, die. So that, uh, that reminds me of something else that makes me mad. I don't know if you've seen this, Cal, but there has been a... I think the NCAA proposed this for law because they're finally letting players profit from their own likeness while they're in college. The NCAA is finally not being tone deaf. The proposal they made was that 75% of anything they make goes to the college. Damn it, NCAA, you dumb sons of bitches. Peyton, could you imagine if I was you know, still in Whitewater 
and they're like, well, the What Makes Me Mad podcast is doing decent. 75% of your earnings are going to go to Whitewater. I'd be like, well, one, have fun with your $8.52. But it's like, no, I made that money off me, not you. Right. I mean, granted, I've done some episodes on you, but, like, no. It, I mean, that'd be more ways for him to save money and get some money back. But, um, but no, that's a terrible rule. I was listening to uh, Jay Billis uh a couple of days ago, he was on Katie Nolan's podcast, and I was I catching, I was catching up to it. I like, yeah, I like Katie. Nolan. I like how she's like, you know, I'm not big like sports, like like uh, thinking and everything like that, but like she'll do like other stuff where it's like, oh yeah, that's good coverage or something. She's a good like that. Uh, perspective reporter. Yeah, I like that. And so she was talking to Jay Billis, and so Jay Billis was on the head of the and when he was a player at duke he was head of the ncaa like players association or whatever it was and so there's a lot of stuff that he was like hmm this is wrong and they're like back in the day like oh no it's fine blah blah, blah. and it still blows my mind that like this has been an ongoing issue for like over like 50 years and it's pretty obvious to where the fact that the supreme court is looking at it and even all the justices and the even how partisan some of those guys are and gals as well too are like looking at this and like yeah it's wrong you would think the nca would just pull their heads out of their ass and be like you want to know what the road we're going down is not good uh let's just figure this out now and we'll deal with it from there yeah, but instead they're like oh no 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 that that kind of reaction seems to be the exception as opposed to the rule which is unfortunate uh, you get in these situations and these companies, and you see this a lot with WWE, they're reactive as opposed to uh, proactive. Yeah. They don't. They only make the moves when they have to make the moves at the absolute final hour so they can make the absolute maximum amount of money they can before they have to start sharing with people. Well, even like with like the NCA weight room situation, yeah. like how quickly they got the weight room down and like they put out this thing like, hey, the weight room has arrived. It's like, no... <laughs> it's not a positive tweet where you're all happy about it. It's like that's something that you messed up on, and that's not a. That's like BP with the oil spills being like, hey, the cleanup crew has arrived. It's like, no, you're responsible for this in the first place. It's like, look at all these dumb marine animals covered in oil. Don't worry, we're going to fix it. It's like, well, it shouldn't be a problem to begin with. Fun fact I learned a good amount about that. My public relations uh, crisis communication. Uh, class that i took and the bp guy my favorite part about that is when they're interviewing the guy and they're like oh what do you say to the people uh whose businesses have been affected with all this and the guys or i forget what he had said he said something off camera he's like god i just want to get my life back on track or something like that it's like "Eh, it's pretty tone deaf there sir it's like god i just want to get my life back on track why did why do these people need me to come down and survey this oil spill God. And then there was also like a other one up in like Alaska back in the eighties that we looked at. Just oil companies are kind of slime balls, if you ask me. But yeah, there's a lot of that stuff makes me mad. You got anything else that makes you mad? If not, I'm probably gonna wrap things up so that way I can go spend some time with my grandmother. That's uh, that's all I have prepared for today. Yeah. I'm not gonna keep you from Granny. Uh, for sure. Well, Rob Manfred, if you're listening to this, will you stop ruining the game of baseball in the NCAA? If you're listening to this, will you stop being so damn? I can't even describe the words right now. Pull your heads out of your ears, I guess, and 
figure out this stuff. And you oil companies that are listening right now, especially you, Mr. BP CEO, that was all, Ooh, I want to get my life back on track. I hope your life's back on track, sir. And uh, Urban Meyer, fuck you. Oh, yeah, Urban Meyer, I hope you go 3-13 and 13 this year. And then after a year, like, I want to go back as a studio analyst. You think they're going to win three games this year? The Texans are in that division, sir. That should be two games they can win right there. I don't even know if they're going to let the Texans play this year at home. Fucked up that team is like yeah we only have twenty nine. Houston's gonna go off. They're gonna have a personal year this year. They're gonna have they're gonna have so many guys playing two ways. It's like they're gonna be like a really small uh, high school team, like a Whitewater High School, where everyone has to play two ways. <laughs> and if uh, someone gets hurt, well, it's like well we're gonna have to slide some guys around. Just hope to God none of our offensive linemen get hurt because we only have one backup who's uh, an overweight sophomore. So <laughs> good luck there. Like that year, uh, the Lions went 0 16, so they had uh, Calvin Johnson play safety for the last couple of games just in case something <laughs> yeah. could happen. Oh, man. I feel so bad for Megatron. He was on so many shit teams. Same with Stafford and Sanders. Yeah. I always feel bad for those guys when their careers just get wasted. Well, Trevor Lawrence, have a lot of fun down in Jacksonville. Same with you, Travis Etienne. Uh, hopefully, you guys are able uh, to turn it around without. The success of Urban Meyer, hopefully a head coach gets hired down there that is a good guy. So, yeah, so Urban Meyer, you know what you've done wrong. And so, yeah, uh, that will do it, though, for this week's episode of What Makes Me Mad. Shout out to Peyton Witt for coming on. This was a fun episode. I'm glad to have you on, and uh, happy Mother's Day, everyone. Uh, Get vaccinated if you can, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.